0: Transfer news
1: Unlikely
0: I, Hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care. We're going with it now.
0: Alright, soccer Today new bracket America Soccer New Black America. Feature it person talking about soccer lots Hello and welcome to episode 132 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring person noob. Hello! And also saying hello to you right there is perhaps the uh, most joyous and yet jarring theme song of a soccer or any other podcast you will ever hear. Hey, you made it this far. Stick around for the rest. What have you gotten yourself into Nothing that will leave you too traumatized, I promise. This is a world mini-match preview show. We are going to give 10 of them to you. The best, most intriguing matches from all over the world. But trust me, that is as we define it. There are going to be some glaring omissions, you veteran footy fans. For example, we know everybody's covering uh, Arsenal. In Man City, and guess what they're separated by four points. There's too many leagues around the world with even more at stake. That match will not be one we cover. What on earth could ten other matches that were more paramount even be or look like? Help, stick around. Find out we're going to have a fun time doing it We'll have person noobs animals segment Before uh too very long we'll Take our usual culture break we'll try to Touch base with our prognosticator noobster it's going to be unique and It's going to be a ton of fun it certainly was To make anyway for the daughter and me The matches we're going to cover this week by the way Uh they are running from Friday the 21st through Thursday, the 27th. That's the days of the week that our show always runs through. So with no more gilding of this lily, let's get right into it with... Match number one! No matches on Friday. We're quite bright or shiny enough to catch our attention and make the final cut. We are a demanding bunch. We start on Saturday, match number one. Major League Soccer, the juiciest looking matchup to me, It's still fairly early in the season, but we are... Table watching is number five in the East. NYCFC. They are playing host in an interconference matchup to number four in the West, uh, FC Dallas. The series between these two has been pretty even. NYCFC had a slight advantage, accruing a two-four and one record. You can catch this at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time on Apple TV MLS Season Pass. New York City FC do the Pigeon, as Burt would do from Sesame Street. They are the Pigeons and still play at Yankee Stadium. Will they ever get a soccer-specific stadium? Time will tell. Uh, the club, fairly unfounded in 2013, they won the Eastern Conference in 2019, and then they made the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League the very next year, so international success for them. Last year, they finished number three in the East, and they fell out of the Major League Soccer playoffs at the conference semifinal point. Uh, This year, based on their stats, again, I know it's early, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to hold on to a top four spot. But a top eight spot is certainly possible where you don't want to end up at this ninth or even lower. The top nine teams from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs. And the eighth and ninth place teams, they will have to play each other in a play-in to get to the regular old bracketed portion of the tournament, if you will. I expect NYCFC to finish right on the cusp of that. Uh, they've only got the 8th best offense in the conference, so they're below average there. Their defense, just a little bit above average, giving up a bit more than one goal per game on average. Some key players to look for. Their best overall player is probably James Sands. Certainly the most valuable. 76, 76% tackle rate at center back and at just 22 years old, no less. And he's a very good passer, always important for a centrally positioned role, at almost 90% passing accuracy. I think that's just excellent. Now, uh, the other guy I want you to look for, just because he's a lot of fun to watch, number one in getting possessions. Uh, from the other team in the final third per 90 minutes. I know it's a long stat to say, but that's Andres Jasson, J-A-S-S-O-N. He's just 21-year-old, plays defender for them. He is great at winning the ball back. He's also great at getting fouls called against him. He He has the second most fouls in the league per 90 minutes. So he's physical and then some. And yet they've got another player who actually leads the league in yellow cards with five on the air. And that is uh, Matias Pellegrini From Argentina who plays in the middle Of the field, uh, left midfielder Specifically, he came over here From Inter-Miami So I think uh, that the first two are two Of their most important players And neither of them has a single goal Or assist I wonder if NYCFC will be able to change this Or if they will have to settle for uh, Being a very defensive-minded team And trying to pick up their points in the standings That way. Team's current form A 2-1 win they just got in their last match over number six, Nashville, snapped a three-match winless streak they were on. And now, coming to town to visit Dallas, known as the Hoops, also the Toros, and then a throwback to their original club name in its first iteration in Dallas, the Burn. They finished in second place in the MLS playoffs in 2010, best they've ever done there. As far as the regular season, they did win the Supporters' Shield. That's the best regular season record in the whole league. One time, that was in 2016. That propelled them to a semifinal finish in the CONCACAF Champions League the next year. Last year, they finished in third place in the West. They too fell out of the playoffs of so the conference semifinal level. Very well balanced team. Uh, top four offense, top five defense. They give up just one goal per match. Makes me think that this might be a bit of a low scoring fare. I think that Dallas can expect to get a point on the road in this one. Key players tied for number three in scoring in the league with five already is the very young center forward, 22 years old, uh, Jesus Ferreira. He was an all-star last year, and he's had 17 goals and 17 appearances for the national team so far in his burgeoning career. And then another interesting sort of stat guy on the defensive side, number three in clearances per 90 minutes, getting that ball away from danger, Sebastian Ibiaga from Nigeria. He plays center back for them, and he gets up the field a little bit. He's already got a goal and an assist on the season. He came over from your defending lead champions, LAFC. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 oh in their last three. Match number B. New listeners, you did not mishear that person who's giving us our weekly reminder that number two is bathroom talk. Make the transformational change in your life to match number B. It is so much more couth. Now here's something that's a little less couth before we get into this second Saturday match, which will be from France, by the way. Um, Person Noob is sitting a few feet behind me at the moment. She said she didn't have anything. She wanted to contribute to this particular League One match, but she is just close enough to sort of see the ads that are bouncing across the computer. And one that said uh, was advertising the Disney Bundle. Do you want to say from back there real loud what you thought it said?
1: Disney Butthole!
0: Yeah, so much for being cooth. You're in number B, but you honestly thought it said Disney Butthole.
1: 's like Dude,
0: that's a look, butthole. we're gonna get shut down because you know what there is in in entertainment and terms there's one thing you never do you don't you don't uh, I'll say mess instead of the other word don't mess with the mouse Ooh. don't mess with the mouse they will bring uh, you Disney down butthole. they will di- they will bring you down for saying that person noob <laughs> <But> <laughs> Be How many times right? are you going to say it? I don't right. know. Let's get into the match uh, France's top flight is the number five ranked league in, in all of Europe As such, they get two teams into the Champions League Next year that will start at the group stage And another one that will start at the third qualifying round uh, Plus some other berths into some smaller tournaments You can get this on television If your cable package runs deep enough On in Sports and Espanol 3 o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S. Your matchup, an intriguing one. Number three, Lance, L-E-N-S, taking on number four, A.S. Monaco. Yes, the microstate that has its own team in the French League. Uh, Lance currently lead Monaco by two in the table, for that third and final Champions League spot That's why this is so important Series between these two in recent years Because for a little while they were uh, Real regularly up in this part of the table Whereas Lance was not Monaco have a 7-6-3 and three record Against them in their last 16 Yet when they played earlier this season In Monaco no less Um, They were not distracted by the casinos and the Mediterranean beach life and everything else. Lantz put a beating on them one to four. We'll talk about them first since they're hosting this one. Lantz is one of the many cities up in the north central part of the country on the coast, 30,000 people. It's part of what's called the Douai Lantz agglomeration, which is about a half a million people. The city of Lantz proper only has about 30,000. They've only ever won the domestic league title once. That was in 1997, 1998. They made the semifinals of a tournament that was the predecessor to what is the Europa League, the secondary international club tournament right below champions league the very next year. Last year in league play, they finished in just seventh place, missing out on international play by just a couple of spots this year. Their defense is going to take them everywhere. They could reasonably want to go. They're giving up a fair bit under. One goal per match. Good for number one in the league. They've got a top five offense to go with that. I think they will get that third and final spot, but there's still a third of the season left to play. Key players to look for. Number three in clean sheets is their goalkeeper, Bryce Samba, a homegrown guy. Uh, He spent the heart of his career with, uh, what is now, at least from the moment, a Premier League team in England, but has been in the championship a very long time, Nottingham Forest. And he is also number four in save percentage for the year. So those clean sheets are no fluke. But the best or most valuable player they have going, at the very least in the outfield, is Florian Sotoka, another Frenchman attacking midfielder, six goals. And then a very uh, good eight assists to go with that. Uh, that is tied for number four in all of League One. Team's current form, a 3-1 loss. They just suffered at PSG. No shame there. Snapped a four-match win streak. And now Monaco sticking out there in the Mediterranean on the uh, you know, the south coast of France. They are known, therefore, as The Rock. Pretty cool. Eight league titles they've won. Uh, 2016-17 was the only one that they've won this century That was kind of the pinnacle of a nice stretch they had for a few years And yet they've been down as far as the fourth tier As recently as 2007-2008 Sometimes they have money to pump into that team And sometimes not so much so champions league they actually finished as runners up on the entire continent at once that was in 2003 2004 this year they played and lost in the champions league third qualifying round that dropped them down the europa league where they lost in the playoff round which is right before the group stage they qualified uh, for international play for this year by finishing in third place in the league last year this year, it is the defense that will keep them out of the Champions League. They are barely average in that regard. They do have uh, the number two offense of the league, a fair foot bit behind, understandably, PSG. They are getting over two goals per match. I just think that that defense is not going to travel well enough for them, quite frankly. Nevertheless, key players to look for. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Tied for number three and assists with nine on the year is Brazilian left back, Caio Enrique. He's been here since 2010. He knows this system. Uh, Before that, he actually spent four seasons uh, with uh, Atletico Madrid. But interestingly, he only, I think, made one appearance or something like that. Uh there's a little bit missing from my notes here but that's the best I can put together <laughs> Number four in league scoring with 18 on the year is Fulleren Balogun. He is, uh, and I'm probably getting my emphasis on the Rod syllable there. Uh, he is an Englishman striker just 21 years old. One wonders how much longer it'll be before he makes a move back to his home country and the Premier League. He leads the league in penalties awarded. So this is a guy who uh, the opponents consider incredibly dangerous in the box, and rightfully so. He came up with Arsenal. That makes me think that he is most likely to make a move back to that team, but I haven't read any rumors too specific to that yet. He's actually eligible for the U.S. men's national team as he is uh, New York born. Yeah, here in the States. Yet he played for the youth level in England, and he is eligible for Nigeria. Uh, like a lot of players, who probably go where he thinks he can get the most playing time. Number one in goals per 90 minutes, strangely enough, is not Fuller in. It's actually we Rissam Ben Yetter, Frenchman, play center forward for them. He's only got one less goal, 17, and he's done that in 27 appearances. He came over here after three years with Sevilla in La Liga. Team's current form, they're 3-1-0 in their last four with... Uh, A shootout, uh, it looks like it could be another shootout in waiting. Their last four, the GD has been 11-4 versus 6 against.
1: Match number
0: three. We We'd like to earn our frequent flyer miles. I could organize these things geographically, especially on the dates, but I like to keep things a little more random. Back across the pond we go, and yeah, we're still in business. The mouse did not shut us down, despite Person Noob's uh, little uh, Tourette's-like episode that she had there. <laughs> Way to go, Person Noob. They didn't find us yet. Yay! Woo-hoo! All right, back to the U.S. we go, but not for an MLS match. We're going to talk briefly about one from the USL Championship, the second division here in the States where the top eight teams from the Eastern and Western conferences each will all go to the playoffs at the end of the season. The one we're going to look at is one you can catch at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus, talking about number one in the East, the Charleston Battery out of South Carolina, versus number B, Louisville City. Now, um, uh, Charleston, they currently lead Louisville by two. Louisville very much have the advantage when it comes to the recent series, though, having uh, built up an 8, 5, and 2 record. But that's all you're going to get out of us of this particular one, because this is the time of show where I decide that uh, maybe we need a chance to pay for uh, P-Noob's college someday. And to do that, we're going to gamble, quite frankly. And when we gamble, we like to cheat. To do that, we turn to 3,500-year-old prognosticator Noob Stradamus, who doesn't always feel great about wasting what he sees as his Undeniable holy power on uh, mere soccer scores But uh, we have some leverage with him Because we send him fresca and uh, loose bags of uh, expired prescription pills So we get what we want Or at least we, when we can reach him on the Thracian plains of Greece Or wherever he is in the world What have you to say about Charleston versus Louisville City O oh, mighty soothsayer
1: teaches my name but i earned my famous blackbeard the pirate of the water Oh! Wh- but i'm best known for blood and guts and gore and a vicious reign
0: of murdering and slaughter oh. goodness i'm not sure if that's an equipment issue on our end or if it's uh something with the powers and or technology being wielded on the end by Noobstradamus. But that's the third week in a row we haven't been able to get a prediction out of him. But that was certainly interesting music. In fact, I recognize that because I do like a little bit of BBC every now and then and other uh, British channels. And that was from a show called Horrible Histories by the Putrid Pirates, which believe it or not, despite some of the references uh, possibly to gore and other things there in slaughter, was actually a children's program. So they're at least a little bit of learning and fun. And oh, I get it. Yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. That's a uh, I understand what the coincidence here. There's a lot of pirate history And in fact, Blackbeard historically was even said to have made an appearance And I think held some hostages that were either related to Well, maybe they weren't related to, but they were uh, He held some hostages when he was in Charleston, South Carolina And uh, ended up trading them for, for with the governor for a big chest full of medicine If I'm remembering my history right It's been a little bit of while on that But There you go. Maybe we'll be able to get a drug aided or drug-addled vision out of Noobstradamus next week. Match number four. Onward into Sunday and back to Europe once again, this time to the top-rated league in all of UEFA and therefore the world, the English Premier League, with a match that you're going to be able to catch on USA Network or Telemundo if you want Spanish-language broadcast at 9 a.m. Eastern time in the U.S. Number four, Newcastle. Versus number five, Tottenham. For those of you who are a little bit newer, here's why this is such a key matchup. Not just because it's kind of near the top of the table, but the top four leagues in Europe, so those all just a little bit better than France, they get four teams into the Champions League, whereas the fifth place team will have to go to the Europa League. A couple other teams, by the way, or at least one will get to go to the Europa Conference League. So you can see why number four, Newcastle, number five, Tottenham, is such an incredibly big deal. They're playing for that last spot. A lot of people say that's even more important than the title. The real trophy just finishing in the top four. Newcastle currently lead Tottenham by three in the table. And when they played earlier this season, it was Newcastle that got the away win. One to two, Tottenham have had the advantage of the recent series. Uh, by quite a bit, a 2-1 to factor basically on points A 13-4-7 record Reason for that being is because uh, Newcastle was no great shakes for a long time And in fact, were even down in the 2nd Division I think just as recently as maybe Oh, I don't know, 3 or 4 years ago But they got bought by basically The sovereign fund of Saudi Arabia So they were bought by a country Very controversial. Now they have all this oil money, though, and lots of much better players than they have ever had before. Hope they're enjoying their success. A lot of people would say, but at what cost? Newcastle, they are known as the Magpies. The city is a northeast poor city in the country, about 300,000 people. They're attempting to make this... Uh, one of the first big or maybe the very first sort of life sciences city, quote unquote, in the UK. They're calling the project the Center for Life. Uh, they're trying to make this move after the city had a lot of trouble economically because uh, they were an industrial city like a lot of them in the UK were. But this one got hit particularly hard after the coal industry kind of died out. They've won the top Flight title in England four different times But notice I don't say the Premier League That's a name that's only been carried for what 20 years or so All of their titles uh, were in In or before the 1920s So yeah, it's been a minute Now they did win the second division As recently as 2016-17 Last year they finished in 11th place And even that was quite a climb uh, Once they started to get some of that Saudi money Pumped in This year the offense is good The the defense is incredible They are only giving up 0.8 goals per match Best in the league They've got the number 3 goal differential They are a pick of mine To not only finish in the top 4 But maybe even climb up to 3rd Key players to look out for Number 2 in the league uh, is overall Oh listen to what I said That's right. I have to face the musical sound effect punishment. The second best or number B overall rated player in the league is Kieran Trippier. He plays right back for them. He's got a goal and six assists, good tackler, uh, loads of clearances. Two stops ago in his career, he was actually with Tottenham. I don't know if that really affords any advantage to the team strategically or not, but still worth noting. Number one in successful dribbles, very hard to dispossess as he tries to get the offense going, is Alan Saint-Maximin, French left winger, but he is injured probably for the rest of the season. One wonders just how big a problem that's going to be. And then number one by a lot in this league in possessions, one in the final third. So getting the ball back quite a bit for his team is Elliot Anderson from Scotland, a name with which I wasn't even really overly familiar previously, plays left winger for them. Last year, he was on loan with Bristol Rover. So welcome to or back to the Premier League. And then in terms of clean sheets, I've got the second best goalkeeper in the league. That is Nick Pope, not a fluke. He is uh, number four in save percentage in the league. He came over here after a long stint with Burnley. I'm sure he was glad to get out of that hole. Team's current form, they just suffered a loss at number six, Aston Villa, 3-0. That broke a five-match winning spree- streak. And here's to hoping that they can get it done against number five, Tottenham Hotspur. Because once again, I refuse on moral grounds to give a full preview to Tottenham Hotspur. This showed Team Noob will carry no water for a team that is named for a twice-named traitor historically. Several hundred years ago, Harry the Hotspur Percy was a Benedict Arnold of sorts. Not to one, but to do two different kings. Why on earth you would name a soccer club for him? I don't care that his family... Owned, or maybe even his ancestors still owned land in the England area that would be like naming the New England Revolution the Benedict Arnolds. It makes no sense to me. I refuse to try to make sense of it, and I wish them nothing but ill will and hold nothing but scorn and contempt for them. Match number five. Onward into Sunday and into a different ocean. We're going to head to the Pacific, to the island nation of the Philippines. Yes, the PFL is the top flight league there. It is ranked number 28 in all of the Asian football confederation. That's a a little bit below average. And that is down nine spots from a year ago. Based on their previous ranking, this is a league that will still send their team to next year, their champion to next year's Asian Champions League. Their second place team will get to go to the AFC Cup, which is sort of the equivalent of the Europa League, but not quite. We'll get into that another bit, you know, another time. All right. Your matchup is number B, Dynamic Herb Cebu versus number one, Kaya Iloilo. Uh, Currently, Kaya they lead Cebu by two in the table No challengers to speak of There's only five other clubs in the league And these two teams, moderately late in the season Already have roughly twice as many points as all the other teams Cebu, we'll talk about the home team first Very young club This is their first true league season They were founded in 2021 Last year after the pandemic was kind of subsiding I think they played a cup tournament of sorts In place of the league And I think Cebu might have participated in that But this is their first time officially doing the PFL Interestingly, this is a club that has an affiliation With a Turkish club called Hatay Sport which, a side note about them, that's a club that withdrew from the Super League after the uh, in their country following uh, the big earthquake that hit them in Syria so hard. The city of Cebu, it is the sixth biggest one in the country. Almost a million people there. It's a very big tourism area. It's in the central south part overall in the nation. Also, a lot of business outsourcing ends up here, more than in other places in the country. They have a mascot I just love, a nickname of the Gentle Giants, no need to be so kind of fake intimidating. We can go other directions, soccer teams. And they've got a very lovely whale on the crest. Their defense is a little bit below average, and I don't think they're going to be able to catch Kaya. In fact, I like Kaya to get the road win, quite frankly. But they do have the second-best offense in the league, getting over two-and-a-half goals per match. So on their home pitch, uh, you know they'll be pushing the pace hard. Key players to look for: the first two are Turkish players, as actually this club is also earned. uh, They're owned by a Turkish businessman, hence the reason they have an affiliation with the Turkish team. Tied for number three in league scoring with eight on the year is Arda Şinkor, and then tied for second best in assists with eight is Mert Altinöz. Uh, He's actually tied with a Philippine player on the same team, Jeremiah Borlongan. And then I want to mention somebody on the defensive side as well. Their goalkeeper is very good. Tied for number one in clean sheets with four on the year, and that is Florencio Baladic Jr. Team's current form, well, their only loss of the season was a 3-0 loss at Kaya that started the season. They've been undefeated since then. And now Kaya Iloilo. They are known as the Lions. We've gone from a very good crest to a very bad nickname. Come on, everybody's the Lions. Let's stop being so cliche. It's a majestic animal, but be a little bit more original, please. They play out of Iloilo City. Interesting etymology for Iloilo. Uh, in, uh, I'm not sure if it's a Tagalog or some other uh native language, but basically there's a confluence of two rivers in this city and a very nose and a mass of land in there that is very nose shaped if you look at an aerial view. And so the etymology of Iloilo is Leong Leong, which in Tagalog or whatever language means nose-like. So this is the nose-like city, kind of fun. That should have been the noses or the nostrils or something like that. I would buy that kit. They are uh, actually geographically very close to Cebu, and they're a city that's about the same size. Back in Spanish colonial times, this was basically the quote-unquote second city of the country, not the capital, but very important. In 2021, they got to play in the Champions League group stage. They're the only, I believe, team from this country that's ever gotten to do so. 2016, they made the AFC Cup group stage. That's the best they've ever done in that event as well. Five different times they have finished in second place between 2006 and 2020. In 2020, they finished second place out of six clubs. That, of course, based on what I said earlier, as you can deduce, is the most recent full league season that's been played. They've got the number one offense and number one defense going, number one goal differential. By a factor of almost two. So, as much of a gap as there is between these two teams and the rest of the league, there's also a fairly sizable gap, really between Kaya and even Cebu, to be perfectly honest. Number one league scorer is theirs to boast of with 13 on the air, and that is Daiso Horikoshi from Japan. He plays forward for them. He's also number one in the league in assists. He's got 17 of those. And I say he's number one, and he's got more than twice as many as anybody else. Teams current form, they have won five straight matches. Sounds to me like kitties want their own podcast. I wonder if they'll do football. Well, time will tell. In the meantime, let's give them what they crave. And that is a recap of last week's matches. Match number one last Friday came to us from the División de Honor in Aruba. where number one RCA beat number B Britannia 1-0. Match number B major League soccer number B in the West St. Louis City. Took on number one FC Cincinnati from the Eastern Conference. And the newcomer St. Louis City laid the wood five to one they now lead the west whereas cincinnati dropped the second best in the east match number three from nepal martyrs a division number one manang marshyang DBR ER team manang around here versus number b jawala kel who we didn't really think had much of a shot based on early season statistics they proved us wrong and they got a big road win nil three they are your new league leaders in nepal and manang they moved down all the way to number three Match number four, a Sunday match from Cameroon's Elite One. Uh, between number B, Gazelle, and number one, Bambutos, it got postponed. Match number five, Tuesday, of the Champions League in Europe, quarterfinal, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie, Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid followed up their leg one 2 nil win, with a nil-two win on the road. So they advance with the help of a brace of goals from Rodrigo and an assist from Vinicius Jr. Match number six from the Copa Libertadores group stage. Number three in their group out of the four Boca Juniors from Argentina took on number B, Deportivo Pereira from Colombia. And it was no real surprise here. Boca Juniors got the win 2-1. No change in the table there, though. Wednesday, match number seven from the Women's Super League in England. Number one man. Manchester United, number three, Arsenal. Man United defended their home pitch 1-0. Player we said to look for, Ona Batye, she had a goal. No change in the table there. Match number eight from Kosovo's FA Cup. We went middle watching the semi-final. We had a team from the second leg still alive. I believe that they won, uh, that Pristina beat second division, Vustria. Uh, 2 or 1 to 2 on the road then they got to host this particular Wrong. I had it wrong last week Who was home and who was away in any case Christina uh, they decided they had enough of the close games and nonsense so they won the uh, home return match 6-0 and advanced to the cup final Thursday match number 9 from UEPA's Europa Conference League that's right the third best tournament in Europe quarter final second leg of the home and away two legged tie Nice versus Basel out of Switzerland and it was the Swiss team winning 1 to 2. They advance 3 to 4 on aggregate. Congratulations to them. And match number 10 from the Europa League, the second best one in Europe, quarterfinal, second leg of the home and away two legged tie once again. Roma versus Feyenoord, a really spicy uh, international rivalry. And uh, the result was a 4 1 win in added extra time. Uh, that's because, again, they play a home and away two legged tie. After 90 minutes between the two. Legs they were tied two to two, so they had to play on and Roma uh, really took control. For Roma, Lorenzo Pellegrini had both a goal and an assist player we said to look out for, as well as Paolo Di Bala. He had a goal. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Sunday's route of the week was from the Eredivisie VCA of the Netherlands. Last place Camboard. Hosting number one, Feyenoord. Feyenoord paid them no mind and uh, batted them around for a 0-3 victory. Your most meaningless match in the world from Poland's Ekstraklasa, Krakowia versus Radomiak Radom. Uh, not that it really mattered, it was meaningless, but Krakowia got the 3-0 win. And a guy that we identified as their most meaningless or average player, Michael uh, Rakoshi, he had the opening goal. So slow golf clap. Good job. You're a little less meaningless than you were before. And now, finally, your match from Disappointed from the First Division in Cyprus, a Tuesday match between last place Agritas Klorakas and number 13, Olympiakos Nicosia, second to last place. And it was the last place side getting a home win as their season is about to come to an end. A handful of matches left. Two to one. Guy, we said that uh, if anybody you were going to look for to look for was Javier Era- and he had both goals for his team. Congratulations to them. We we're all still disappointed, and there was no change at the table here. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches with match number six. All right, that was fun. But let's face it, most of the real action is in the U.S. and Europe. Let's go back to the Netherlands. Top flight there is the Eredivisie. That is the sixth-ranked league in all of UEFA. So they'll get to send one team to the event proper, the Champions League group stage. Another one just shy of that. In the third qualifying round is where their runner-up will enter. One team to the Europa League and two teams to the Europa Conference League. You can watch this one here stateside as well on ESPN+, Plus, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. A great one between two of the three, uh, big three in this country. Number three, PSV Eindhoven and number B, Ajax. Your historical powers are still facing off. First place is starting to look a little bit out of reach for these two. This is a critical match because you really want to start in the group stage proper, if you can, of course, for the Champions League. And this is very close between them and the table. IX currently lead PSV by seven on goal differential, not on points. They're tied in that regard. When they played earlier this season, PSV scored the upset 1 2 at IX. Series between these two has been pretty well, IX, with a little bit better record 13 7 and 11. But this is the time of show where instead of giving you a bit more of that preview, I turn things over to the real star of the show and my co-host, person Noop, for a little bit longer edition than normal, but that's okay, of our, her Endangered Animals segment. But as you will discover, this is a very special edition uh, because she has decided not to talk about an endangered animal, and I let her call the shots. It's her show theme song time three two one
1: animals animals
0: animalss animals animals from around, around the world. world or in this case the house that's right around the house because while well, we're covering the Netherlands and I had found an animal that I thought you might like to uh, cover or I figured it was what you would probably pick from several uh, was the North Atlantic right whale but we're gonna save that for another time aren't we yeah because you have decided that instead of a baleen whale, that you would like to talk about an animal that you consider in danger because there's only one in the whole world, I don't think that this falls under the scientific definition. But it's, uh, you know, it's a it's some discourse we could have another time. It is your segment, and you have decided you want to talk about.
1: My dog cat.
0: Your dog cat. Yeah. How many total cats? Let the listeners know. How many total cats do we have in the house? Two. Yep. What are their names?
1: Smokey and Daniel.
0: Right. And who do you have with you today?
1: I have Daniel.
0: Daniel. And is Daniel a cat?
1: Totally not.
0: <laughs> well,
1: well, sort of. He, he looks like a cat, but he is a dog
0: yeah so you know tell people like where we got daniel how he old is give a little bit of background he's a sweet guy sleeping in your arms on a pillow right now he
1: He is the king of this house
0: yeah
1: um he is two and a half fun fact his half birthday is on my birthday and his birthday is on my half birthday
0: coincidence probably probably
1: (laughs) um he loves water whenever we take showers or baths, what well, my mom does. Um, he just comes in and just chills.
0: Yeah, when I go to take a shower, he will. Uh, he will. He, he recognizes when he knows where in the house. I think he can hear where I am and where I'm moving around. And as I get set up, he'll come hustling in, and we and uh, well before he gets on his big wicker shelving thing, he will actually stand and stare at the faucet he is waiting for me to turn on the water does he do that to you yeah he loves watching you come out but more interestingly he doesn't he's not as interested in it coming out the top he is always startled and intrigued by when it comes out the shower head do you find the same thing when you take a shower sort
1: of when uh sometimes when i take a bath um uh, he'll just like come in he'll just like Stare at it with like giant eyes, turn his head, and, and one time he bad at it and got his paw And also, uh, I, I swung up the bathtub and he jumped in. The yeah. cat jumped in the bathtub. Yeah,
0: how much water was in there at the time? Maybe
1: like an inch or so. I
0: mean, that's yeah, that's cool. a lot for a cat. You know why cats don't like to get wet? I read someone recently.
1: Because it makes their um, uh, it makes their like fur all like fr- frizzy and heavy. And it, it weighs them down a little bit, but not
0: that much. Yeah, enough that they feel like it slows them down. I wonder, did I tell you about that already sometime, or did you read the same thing somewhere? Oh, you told me about oh, it. Oh, I did? Okay, yeah. That was at least a couple of weeks ago. When I'm taking a shower, you know, the water coming out of the faucet is fine, but for them, him, that's just the setup to the big show, which is the coming out of the shower head. Even before I'm touching the faucet, he'll, he'll be staring at that shower head, waiting for it to come out. Sometimes he'll stare at my hand and watch me do the faucet and then stare up. You know, cats love fresh water and he's got a little peanut or walnut brain, but he is trying so hard, I think, to figure out how he can turn on the water himself. And so, in trying to help him, I will snap at him to keep him from looking up at the shower head and I'll wiggle my fingers and I'll bring it towards the handle that turns it from shower you know, uh, or the knob to pull that uh, makes it go from shower, uh, bath to shower. I don't think he'll ever be able to pull that because he doesn't have opposable thumbs. I do think uh-huh. that he may eventually figure out that he can uh, push or lean on the main handle and make the water come out the larger spout. But he seems more intrigued for some reason when it comes out from up high. And then he'll jump up, put his front paws on the edge of the tub, and stare at the water as it's landing. And then he goes and gets on the top shelf of the uh, wicker shelving thing that we have. And he'll chill out in there for the duration. Do you have a similar experience when you're like taking a bath?
1: Yes, except um, I set my tablet up because I can. And he sits in the shelves. And sometimes his brother comes and sits on the shelf, and it's called the cat, the Kitty
0: Hotel. <laughs> That's right, the Kitty Hotel. So there will be a your iPad on top, and then in each one of the interior actual shelves, there's a cat hanging out. Yeah. Which is so. What you 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 described this cat as a cat dog earlier. What uh, describe for folks what it is he does that is dog like. Um. Well,
1: one he um. Like just in general acts like a dog. How so? Like, one he will jump in the bathtub.
0: Yeah, that's more dog like than cat like certainly.
1: He he likes to jump in onto weird, very weird places and just like kinda exists. He likes to he likes to play fetch. Is one weird thing about him? That's he true.
0: He, he will it. he will break. He will fetch toys and bring. Now it is not unusual for cats, uh, particularly if they lived outside. Like they will, if they get outside and they catch a real mouse, they will bring it back. They're very proud and they'll set it on in front of you. But for him to do that with toys feels a little bit more dog-like, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. And I and I find random toys that I find or like his toys or something like that, and I'll throw them. And then he'll put it in his mouth and bring it back to me and just, like, drop it in front of me sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: I also think that just because he's so social for a cat. Now, he's not as big on me holding him and holding him kind of an, at a 180-degree uh, angle to my chest. But he likes being held sideways. And that is not like most cats. Most cats don't like to be – sometimes they like to be held and snuggle and go to sleep. But he seems very much more dog-like and that he likes to – be social and play and be held to a degree, except in the ways that most other cats are held. Mm-hmm. And he plays chase with me. Does he ever play chase with you where he like actually chases you? Yeah. Yeah, he'll, I can get him to chase me around and around the kitchen island, around the furniture. But he gets too smart. He knows he can catch me anytime because he's so much faster. But after I've done a couple laps, he'll start to wait or go the other direction and look at me like, not only could I catch you, but I'm outsmarting you because here I am just standing here while you do all the work. And that just seems very dog-like to me somehow. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything else that he... And he talks quite a bit when he wants things because mm-hmm. I learned recently that cats only meow at people. They never meow at each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, if Albert Einstein was a cat and his IQ was turned into cat, this cat would be an Albert Einstein cat. He, in the middle of the night, he somehow, in some way, got out of the house, a locked door, no way out of the house. He got out of the house and was meowing at the door, and he, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that he managed uh, to like open the outside door a little bit because that's not locked. He managed to open that a little bit with his paws, and he's smart.
0: I have seen him, uh, it's been a while, but I have seen him stretch trying to reach the storm door handle. He understands, I think, that that can let him out. How is We're usually pretty good about locking that, though. You really think he got through a locked door? I can't imagine he's got the strength in his paws to unlock a door.
1: He was inside the house, and then we, we saw him. He was sleeping in your bedroom, and... Th- And then, in the middle of the night, at like three in the morning, Mom woke up to the ring doorbell going off and saw a cat that looked just like Daniel. Wait. Oh, oh, I remember. No, no, he didn't get out. It was a... No, wait. I'm pretty sure there was a cat that looked just like him that somehow got in, too, that, that we accidentally let in. He got... Th- this little cat got out once, but also another cat who looked just like him. We let him in the house because we thought that Daniel had gotten out again. So, and then we saw Daniel, and we just stared at them in confusion.
0: I don't know anything about this. So there was a doppelganger cat, and they switched places. Are you sure you're not thinking of the time we met the room, the, the, the screenplay uh, for uh, Us? Remember when we did that, the horror movie? Yeah. By Jordan Peele? Are you sure you're not confusing these two things somehow? No,
1: no, no. No, There was Daniel just chilling outside the door. And then we opened the door and brought him in. And he just walked right in. And, and, this, was, and this was after he had already escaped the first time. And then Daniel was standing under the stool as I was petting Daniel. And I wasn't anywhere near the stool. And I just stared at him like, what? And I stared at the cat. And I realized it wasn't Daniel.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. We have a doppelganger. We have a cat that can get through locked doors, and we have a doppelganger cat that has gotten in and been able to fool a uh, uh, person who've been to petting him. you have anything else you want to add, or is that a pretty good story to end on? The urban legend that is the cat with a doppelganger that can get through locked doors.
1: And has a brother that is absolutely nothing like him. And I've seen a... Sh- I saw a, sh- a cat that looked more like Daniel than Smokey. And they're brothers. Yeah,
0: they are biological brothers. But they don't look mm. anything alike, do they?
1: Are you really brothers?
0: Maybe we yeah. should ask if uh, the mommy knew the kitty milkman. I don't know how that works. Don't look at me like that.
1: That doesn't make <laughs> sense. The cat... M-
0: well, your story didn't make sense. <laughs> I can... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it made sense. I could follow it, but the milk it did real. The milk, milk cat. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we end with a the theme song? This has gotten weird. <laughs> All right. Aminals, 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 aminals that seven. you have to feed every day. Did you feed them today? Yes. All right, good job. Meow.
1: Match number seven.
0: Still on our weekend. And still in Europe, but this time we're going to move a lot farther north and a fair bit further east to Estonia's Maestra Liga. First time we've covered them this year because it's very early in the season. The northern European countries do not follow the same schedule as all the rest of the continent, obviously for weather, climate related reasons. Now, Estonia is a pretty small country. They've got the 47th ranked one in all of UEFA. That's just above Iceland to give you a little bit of perspective, but It is a league that has a special place in my heart because Maestra Liga, this is one of those countries. And the first one I have discovered that spells Liga with two I's. And I think the I, the L, the I, the I all in a row are just aesthetically magnificent. So, Estonian Meisterliga, welcome back once again this year. Now, because their rate is so lowly in the European coefficients, they'll only get to send their winner to the Champions League. And that team will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then they'll get two entrants into the tertiary tournament, Europa Conference League. They, too, will have to start in the first qualifying round. Your matchup, number one versus number B early in the season, and it's probably going to stay this way all season long. These are your capital city and historical powers. Number one, Flora Talon versus number B, FCI Lavadia. These are two of the three undefeated teams here left. I think they are about seven games in the season is all though. Uh, Flora, they currently lead Lavadia by three on goal differential. So they are tied on points. That automatically means that we cover them in a show. Series between these two, uh, Flora have had a bit of an advantage, 17, 21, and 15 over the last, oh, I don't know, probably decade or so. We'll talk about Flora first. This is a club that was founded in 1990. Not that there hasn't been football there, obviously, but this is a team that was founded in its current form uh, pretty much right at the tail end of the Soviet Union collapsing. So it's not a carryover team from the Soviet era. And I think that probably means they're very popular nationwide. They play at Lillikula Stadium, which has a capacity of about 14,000, largest stadium in the country. They've won 14 league titles, and they are your defending champions. Ten of those titles have been this century, by the way. Last year, they made the Europa Conference League group stage. They are the only Estonian club to have ever made the group stage or event proper of any European event. That, to me, is one of the great things about this Europa Uh, Conference league, because it's only what I think In its third season right now And it's allowing some of these clubs To get just a little bit of TV money Take it back home, maybe split it up Depending on contracts with the other leagues And get a little bit more attention Although we've been covering them before Even the ECL existed, so yay us Yeah, had to go there Alright, Uh, this year statistically defense is good, but the offense is where they're really buttering their bread. Number one in that regard, getting over three goals per match. Second best goal differential in the league. It's early. That's not too meaningful yet. Key player to look for. Tied for second best in scoring with four already is Sergei Zenyov, center forward, homegrown, 34 years old. Spent the longest stretch of his career. Not one of the better teams over there, but a pretty darn good European league. That's the Premier League of the Ukraine played for uh, carpati Team's current form, they just got a 2-2 draw at number four, Name J.K. Caillou, and that snapped a two-match win streak. And now Lavadia. They were founded in 1998. They also play in the Capital City, and in fact, they use the same home stadium. They've won 10 league titles, most recently 2021. Basically, they keep winning the ones that Talon doesn't. That's why this is such an incredibly great matchup. 2009-2010, they almost got to the group stage of the Champions League, made the third qualifying round, historically great run. This year, they lost to the Champions League preliminary round. That precedes even the first round, a little grouping of four that had bracketed play. Then they dropped down to the Europa Conference League and lost in the second qualifying round. Last year, they finished in second place. And if you're thinking, well, how do they get to the Champions League? Remember, they're on a little bit of a different schedule over there. So they're sending people to you know different events. Different calendar year events for international play. Second best offense, top defense of the league. They're not even giving up a goal every other match on average. Key player to look for, though, is on the offensive side. Number one league scorer with six is Ernest Aguirre. He is from Ghana, plays midfielder for them. Manchester City had the rights to him for uh, at least a couple, three years, but they always loaned him out to other places. And we actually have a USA connection, a guy who was born in Milwaukee that plays for this team, but he's got parental lineage on one side to this area. And this is where he's decided to pursue his football career. It seems Vuk Latinovic plays defender for them. And he hasn't exclusively decided to pursue it over there. He might likely come back. He actually played for NYCFC in 2001, 2022 only made eight appearances for them though. Teams current form, they just got a 1-1 draw at paid uh, Lena Miskand, and that snapped a five-match win streak for them. Match number eight. One more weekend match to go, and we're off to perhaps our favorite match in all of Europe, if not the world, and that is the first division in Cyprus. Now, this is our favorite in large part because we've gotten to learn so much about it this year. We've had a recurring guest from the show. This is Mapa on YouTube named Tassos. But he was on last week. We decided not to badger him this particular time. He's got his own show to run. But we're still very excited about this really intriguing matchup from uh, the number 120-ranked league in all of UEFA. By the way, that means they get one team into the Champions League, two into the Europa Conference League. All those teams will have to start in the, the first and the second qualifying rounds, respectively. Your matchup is number one, Aris Limassol, and they are playing host to number B, Apuel, Nicosia. Currently, Aris, they lead them by just one. They played earlier this season. Aris got a 1-1 draw at home. And then I'm not quite – I think Aris got a no one win on the road at Apoel. So can they make it three times where they cause uh, Nicosia to drop points? We shall – Find out. But that's all of the preview that you're going to get from us this particular time. This is the time of show where noob's tummy starts to get a little rumbly. I get hungry. And if I can't have a snack, I need to at least talk about food. Typically, it's our culture break. But most of the time, while we sometimes cover art, architecture, uh, various cultural folklore, myth things, it's usually food. We're not doing a recipe this time, but we are going to talk about food from Cyprus. Something called uh and i'm hoping i'm getting the pronunciation right in, ca- in particular in case Thassos is listening this is a very controversial dish and it is very specific to cyprus the food itself what is it well it's grilled fried or pickled, uh grilled fried pickled or boiled songbirds usually Black Caps or European Robins, and Songbird, that sounds very cute. If that's the reason that you think this is illegal, and it is, uh, that's not specifically the reason that you're not supposed to be serving up Black Caps and European Robins there, which are uh, two of the most common kinds of Songbirds to get served up in Cypriot residence. It's illegal in large part because of how they trap the birds. Very indiscriminate uh, methods of doing it. So they don't just catch these kinds of birds, but they also catch in the nets that they're usually putting up between acacia trees all over the country. they're ending up catching protected migratory birds as well and hurting them or even killing them. Um, the way they do this is they put the nets up between the trees and then they use electronic bird calls to lure them in. Or if the birds are around in the trees but not in the nets, people will actually throw gravel at the base of the trees to scare the birds into the nets nest rather sometimes they also use glue sticks made from local uh tree berries they spread that sticky stuff on the branches and it smells somewhat normally these birds and then they get stuck and then and i'll give anybody who's got a squeamish stomach you might want to forward ahead a little bit for what i'm going to say next so i'll give you a moment to do that but uh One of the reasons that probably this is illegal is not only the fact that they're indiscriminate in how they catch the birds, but when they're caught with these glue sticks on the branches, uh, the trappers that set them out will then come and um, kill them by putting toothpicks through their throats. And then uh, sometimes when they even remove from the branches, uh, the legs stay on the branches. So there's a lot of reasons for this to be illegal. I hope that those are two of them, but as long as they can stop that practice. Uh, It's been illegal, actually. It's on the books since 1974. The advocates, uh, for those that do this, their claim is that this is a native protein. It's been a way of feeding themselves for thousands of years. And so it should sort of be still protected and allowed. But quite frankly, since it's illegal, the collection and exporting of these birds, uh, because they do like to do that, other people like to take part in this abroad and they swallow them whole, which I think is weird. Uh, It's basically organized crime. It's mafia-like, practically. Make a very, very strange movie, probably. But the whole business is probably worth about uh, 15 million euros a year is what I read. And that was maybe as long ago as 10 years ago. So, again, no recipe, but just a little bit of sort of uh, modern cuisine history, if you will, coming to us from Cyprus. Once again, that word is Ambulipolia. Match number nine. Well, that was a ton of matches to track over the weekend. So, New Bites, if I may lovingly refer to you as such, you get Monday and Tuesday off from our tracking of the official 10. We come back stateside, in fact, so you can sleep in your own bed, at least if you're from here. Before before the Wednesday match, match number nine from the U.S. Open Cup, which has now reached its third round, this is where some but not all of the Major League Soccer teams will start to enter. The matchup we're going to look at is one from Chicago. Both teams, Chicago Fire from Major League Soccer, and uh, they won the coin flip, so to speak. They will get to play host to Chicago House of the Midwest Premier League, which is professional or at least semi-professional But effectively, think of this as something like the fourth tier of American soccer. Let's talk a little bit about the Fire first before we get into the house. That's the team that we've been uh, tracking with a little bit of luck all season long. Now, this game will get played, I believe, at Soldier Field. That's where the Fire traditionally hold their home games. They have won this particular event, the U.S. Open Cup, which is basically our FA Cup, four different times, most recently 2006. Currently in league play, give you an idea how they're doing. They're eighth place in the East, so just barely in playoff position. The defense has not been good. The offense, a little bit better. Top four, one and a half goals and change per match. Key player to look for. Number one in clearances. Uh, Maybe they're only good defensive player. I don't know. Kendall Burks, uh, American defender. He was briefly with Nottingham Forest. He went over there for a youth trial, but he's back here again. But the most valuable outfield player they have overall, I believe, is Miguel Navarro, their Venezuelan left back. No goals, one assist, but, you know, that's not where he's expected to make his contributions. He's a very good tackler, and he's got a load of clearances getting that ball away from danger and away from the opposition. He's even made five appearances in his young career for the Venezuelan national team. team's current form, they are 2-3-0 in their last five. Unfortunate for Chicago House that that team's Seems to be in such good form, but after their big comeback from being down nil 2 to forward Madison from League One two weeks ago in the second round, Chicago House won't be backing down from anybody. This is a dream matchup for them getting to play the hometown team because I'm sure they've got a lot of local players. Again, they play in the Midwest Premier League. It's a very young team founded in just 2020. That name, Chicago House, a couple of layers to its meaning. It most directly... Uh, refers to the musical style of Chicago House, which we introduced you to directly in a previous episode. It also has something to do with like uh, the shape of the crest or reference to kind of the Chicago, uh, Chicago Housing Authority. They've got a lot of, uh, let's call them social or left-leaning causes that are very much part of what this team wants to be a part of promoting. Good for them. They are the only local qualifier left or team that basically isn't from like the U.S you know, one of the USL leagues, MLS, or NISA. But as I mentioned, it is listed as a professional team. In the first round, they defeated national amateur champions Bavarian United, which quite frankly was the reason that we covered that particular match in the first round was because of Bavarian. Everything else was arbitrary, so we thought, why not go with a team that's already, you know, won a tournament? And again, as I mentioned, second round, they had the big comeback win over forward Madison. Team event scoring leader for them, with a pair already, is Anthony Ray Smith Jr. And while we have nothing against the Chicago Fire, because we've had their CEO Peter Wilt on before, and the whole team has been very engaging with us on Twitter, we say, go fight, win, good luck to Chicago House.
1: And match number 10, we're done. Finally!
0: Our last match of the official 10 is... A Thursday match, and we head back to the old world one more time. UEFA, the women's side of the ball, though, finally we're going to visit. Champions League is in full effect. They're in their semifinal. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged ties. We do not know how leg one will have turned out because it was played on Saturday. Nevertheless, the winner, we know, will either get Wolfsburg or Arsenal. Your matchup will be Barcelona versus Chelsea. They've only played one other time prior to this, I believe, at least in recent years, and Barcelona won that match. We'll talk about them first. They've won the Liga F, which is the new name for the top flight league for the women in Spain, seven different times, and they have won three straight league titles. They've also won the Champions League once. That was just two years ago. Uh, Because of that, they were only one of four teams that got to enter at the group stage. Everybody else had to start in a qualifying round. And by the way, Liga F that I mentioned, they are the third-ranked league in all of UEFA. Right now, it's pretty much, well, not pretty much, it is entirely Barcelona and everybody else. I believe this year they've got a 105 to five goal differential It's just ridiculous why they even Have to bother to play in the League they're just going to make the Champions League Again in a rout this year mm-hmm. They advanced to this round by beating Roma from the Italian League Six to one on aggregate key players To look for a couple of them the Two that are tied for second best in event Scoring with five one is Spanish midfielder Aitana uh, Bonmati Very versatile player, I say midfielder But she plays a whole host of positions For them, and then also their Nigerian forward, Asisat Oshola, the team's Form, as you would guess, with that goal Differential I mentioned 25-0-0 On the year And now Chelsea, they have won the Women's Super League, the top flight in England Five different times, all of those since 2015, and they are your two-time Defending champions there they finished second best the year that uh, they actually lost to uh, their opponents today at Barcelona in the Champions League final. Last year, they didn't do so well They fell out in the group stage This year, they got to enter at the group stage Just like Barcelona did Since they won last year's uh, Women's Super League And by the way, England's is the fourth-ranked league in UEFA So while there's not a lot of parity in the women's game It is nice to see a couple teams in the semifinals That are are not from one of the top two traditional leagues Those from France and Germany They advanced to this round over Lyon. That's got to be about the most impressive scalp they've ever gotten. 2-2 on aggregate and then 4-3 on penalty kicks. They had to take it. Key player to look for, tied for second best in event scoring, that is Sam Kerr. Their Australian superstar, one of the greatest players of all time in women's football, in my opinion, and that of many others. Plays forward for them. Even American fans should know her well, even if you don't follow the international game, as she played most recently amongst other American teams for the Chicago Red Stars. And if you follow international play, she has made 120 national team appearances for her home team. Bring forth the bonus matches. Ah, uh, perhaps my favorite part of the show because you, the listener, have had a chance to have a say in what the content's going to be. You can find me on Twitter as Soccer Noob USA. Each and every week, I put up the candidate matches for these bonus matches. You vote. Dreamy content gets made in the form of these previews. The first is a first versus last place matchup. We dramatically call the route, route, route,
1: route of 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 of. The week, 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 week.
0: And the one you have voted for is a Saturday match from the Premier League of St. Kitts and Nevis, right back here in our own region, down in the Caribbean for CONCACAF. I use a site called Kick Algorithms. I don't think CONCACAF as an organization ranks the domestic leagues. Kick Algorithms doesn't bother to, they only rate 18 of them because the rest just don't get enough international play. To really do anything meaningfully in terms of a ranking In terms of club teams I don't believe St. Kitts and Nevis have sent a team To any sort of international place In something like 1994, if memory serves Here's to hoping that'll change We want everybody involved And by the way, speaking of international play I want to point out that in the Caribbean region uh, There will be a new tournament called the Caribbean Cup That will start uh, this or next year Uh, So things are changing. There's still going to be the CONCACAF Champions League. But now instead of the old just CONCACAF League, there's going to be a Central American Cup and a Caribbean Cup. It is yet to be determined how the berths will get divided up for the Caribbean teams. Suffice to say that this is a team being unranked that will probably only be sending their champion to wherever they go. Now, the top two teams in this league domestically will get to go to the playoffs or the championship round. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams will get relegated. There's two matches left in the regular season. The one we're going to look at that you have voted for is number one, KON versus number 12 in last place, Security Force. Uh, Kayon currently lead second-best Newtown United by four in the table. Three points here would, basically salt, would actually mathematically salt this one away. The other end of things... A security force. They trail number ten, Saddlers United, by six. So sadly for them, they have already well almost been mathematically eliminated. I would have to look at goal differential, and they are on the road against the number one team. This is the route of the week, the road kill match. But who knows? We're always looking for reasons when we cover this to think: is there any chance for an upset? Let's see what we can find. All right, first your home team, Kone. That's a city in the east-central part of the country, about 2,500 people. And it is the capital of the St. Mary Cayon Parish. Instead of districts, they call them parishes over here. The team is known as the Rockets. Uh, They've won at least three league titles. Most recently, I think, was 2016-17. 2020-21, they finished third best in the regular season. Uh, that was the most recent season to get uh, played in this country in in total because of COVID. But then they finished in last place in the uh, championship round. This year, the defense, yeah, it's okay, but the offense, very good. Two and a third goals per match, second best in the league. They've got the second best goal differential. They're not here by accident. Team's current form, well, they just lost their first match of the year. Ah, there's a little bit of the chink of the arm they're looking for. Nil-two. Uh, At number 8, St. Peter's So, could they have lost a little bit of momentum? Will that give Security Force a chance? I don't know a lot about Security Force, to be honest They were not playing in Division I the last time they held a league season, 2020-21. I don't know if this is a new club. I don't think so. I suspect that they came up from a lower division. Don't know for sure. They are one of only two winless teams left here in the regular season. Uh, They've got the second-to-worst offense in the league, barely getting over a half a goal per match, but they've got the worst defense by a mile in a league that isn't that high scoring. They give up three and three quarters goals per matches. Are they even playing a goalie? It would certainly help. They've got the worst goal differential in the league by four, by a factor of almost two and a half. Team's current form, though, maybe just a little bit of momentum here. They just got a draw and on the road, no less, at number nine, Bath United, one-to-one. Good luck to them. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. could. You're so boring. <laughs> yeah. We come in peace, mid-table teams that have been voted in for this match. We're not here to make fun of you but celebrate you because quite frankly nobody else is probably talking about the teams that are in this match each and every week. We love our most meaningless match and we're headed to a Thursday match you have voted in From Saudi Arabia's Pro League That is the number one ranked league In all of Asia The winner in this league will go to the Champions League This year and only the winner Normally they would send two or three teams But there's some changes going on in the international calendar On the other end of things Two of the 16 teams will get relegated And why do I even mention it? They're over two-thirds of the way through the season, and these teams are smack dab in the middle, just kicking back and getting to relax their way through probably. Number eight, Altai versus number 10, Abba. Altai, they trail number one, Idihad, by 28 points. I'm not even sure mathematically they could catch up if Idihad forfeited all the rest of their matches. No chance they're going to be going into international play. Abha they lead number fifteen Al Khaleej by ten points, Small, so a smaller gap comparatively, but they're not going to get relegated. When they played earlier this season as part of the double round robin for the regular season, Abha won two to one at home. Series between these two has been a pretty brief one. Abha have won all three matches. All tied. They are known as the Knights with a K, of the North. Uh, their colors are interesting. It looks to be a, a crest that is largely white in the middle, and they've got a very interesting shield-shaped outline, and it is mostly uh, very light gray and just slightly darker gray. So it's really kind of cool. I have decided if I like it aesthetically, but I do love it just for being different. They play out of the city of Hail The Rashid uh, royal family comes from here The rivals to the Saudi royal family So if you're a modern geopolitical uh, oriented person Then you may be somewhat familiar with this city It's in the north central part of the country About 600,000 Big agricultural area uh, A little less so on the oil a, A lot of wheat and a lot of dates So there you go I'm not a real big dates guy A little too chewy for me They have won the second division in Saudi Arabia three different times, most recently 2000-2001. No titles for the top flight, though. Last year, they finished in sixth place, so just a little bit above meaninglessness. This year, their defense has been meaningful. It's been very bad. They're near the bottom of the league, but the offense has been a bit above average. They're getting almost one and a half goals per match. We're not going to look at key players here. We want to look for the most meaningless player or most average player on the team. Just for fun, because we can. Uh, the goalkeeper, in this case, occupies that of all their regular starters. He is the one with the most average rating. According to Mob, he is Brazilian. His name, Victor Braga. Six clean sheets in 23 matches. Not too good, not too bad. Uh, he's played for a lot of teams over in Portugal. None of the ones in the top three. I believe the most recent one was Aroca. Team's current form, uh, They've had three straight 2-2 two, two draws. I almost thought I had a typo there, but now I remember. Yeah, very interesting. And now Abha coming to call. They play out of a city of the same name in the southwest part of the country, about a million. Big domestic tourist area. This is where all the rich folk go when they want to get that nice mountain air. The city is essentially in the Asir Mountains. And there's a huge national park as well there. They're nicknamed the Leaders of the South. They were in Division Three as recently as 2017-18, and yet here they are. Last year, they finished in ninth place. This year, they're on course to finish in about the same spot. Uh, if you look at their stats, they could slide a little bit, not all the way to relegation, but they've only got a very average offensive best, and their defense is one of the worst in the league, giving up one and two-thirds goals per match. The most meaningless player they have is a defensive midfielder, Zakaria Alsudani. No goals, two assists, not a lot of interceptions either, but his strength seems to be uh, getting the offense started. He is not your assist man, but he kickstarts everything. He's a great dribbler and a pretty accurate passer. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, and that win was their first one in their last nine matches. And now we come to the true end of our podcast road, the third and final bonus match not coincidentally match number 13, such an appropriate number for the match of DISAPPOINTED! And the Herculean scoring you hear from Kevin Sorbo is also appropriate because this is always uh, two of the very worst teams in some league from around the world. And the one you have voted for is a Sunday match from the Primera División of Chile, which is ranked number seven by Kick Algorithms, that side I mentioned before, in all of CONMEBOL, the 10 leagues there. Three of their teams will get to go to the Copa Libertadores, the South American version of the Champions League. Four more will get to go to the secondary tournament called the Copa Sudamericana and these two sad sack egg sucking teams could only dream of getting to go to anything like that because they're about halfway through the season or a third of the way through the season rather. And by the way, I do mean full season. Unlike the majority of Latin American or Spanish speaking countries, they do not divide their season here into separate stages, opening and closing. They actually do one full double round robin season, which again, they're one third of the way through roughly. Two of the 16 teams are going to get relegated, and oh, these are prime candidates. Third to last place, number 14, Magallanes, versus number 16, and definitely your doormat, Deportes, Copiapó. The table, let's take a look at the bottom end of it. Magallanes, they have earned all of eight points, and then right behind them with seven are Audax Italiano and Copiapó with seven. The series between these two, at least in recent years, a very brief one. Magallanes are 1-1-0 in those two times that they have done battle. Magallanes, they actually play out of the city of San Bernardo. It's part of the greater Santiago or capital city conurbation, though. And it is most famous for being the folklore capital of the country. So uh, whatever the ancient religions there say the underworld is, this lousy team will probably end up there. City's about a quarter million people, and I might actually even be mispronouncing it because it's named for as we call them Magellan. maybe they pronounce it uh, Magellan down there. I'm not even sure I didn't look it up because it's the match of disappointed, but that's where the actual clump. Club name comes from Magallanes or Magellanes, whatever they want to do. I will say, credit where it's due, they have an incredibly cool nickname. They are uh, the Caravellers. Uh, A caravel is a type of ship. I think it was most commonly used uh, by Spain and Portugal off the Iberian Peninsula in the 1700s. Such a cool nickname. Got to be the only one in the world. They've actually won the top flight title in this country four different times, but all of those were in the 1930s. So they're back hoping to get another one before they've gone a century in Chicago Cubs type fashion. 1985, they actually got to go to the Copa Libertadores, but they lost in the first round. Last year, they were in the second division, Primera B, and they won it. And so here they are trying to claw their way, uh, full clear of the relegation zone. They're dangling precariously right above the right now in the number 14 slot. The uh, offense is not too good, but the defense is the real bugaboo for them. They're ranked number 13 in that regard. And overall, they've got the number 14 goal differential. So I don't anticipate them doing any better than they are now. The question is, can they stay above Audax uh, and their opponents today? And now instead of looking for good players, let's look for the most disappointing player that they have. In this case, uh, usually it's the goalie, quite frankly, just because of the way Fatma, the the app that I like, does their stats. Uh, But the most uh, consistently appearing outfield player who is doing the worst for them is their 36-year-old veteran center forward who should apparently have hung up his cap, when uh, his shoes when he was 35, made way for a younger player, Felipe Flores. He's only got one goal, one assist. In fact, the guy's only got seven shots on goal, and he doesn't make any other kind of meaningful contributions. He's not winning the ball back. Uh, Drop him back on defense I mean nothing Why are they even paying him uh, He was with Liga MX Apparently there was a time That he got to play In a pretty decent league and was actually putting Some effort to it He was playing for uh, Beracruz, uh Which is in the second division In Mexico And uh, Tijuana Not one of the great teams Exactly in Mexico But still a much stronger league Teams current form They are winless In their last eight Woof And now Copiapó They are known as uh, a crappy team with a a crappy mascot, the Lion Boo of Atacama, which is the region they play in. They, too, actually have a pretty cool crest. It's somewhat simple, at least in its color scheme. It's all red and white, but they've got a heraldic-looking lion head that's very, very detailed in the neck and kind of the mane, which is a nice contrast to uh, the rest of it. So while I don't approve of lions, that is a pretty decent crest. Economically, this area is known for basically one thing only And that is that it is a big mining area I'm not sure if it's gold or other stuff But I know that that is the linchpin of the economy Last year, they played in Primera B as well The second division And finished in third place This is their first time in the top flight. So congratulations. Hope you enjoyed your cup of coffee. Uh, We still have no sympathy for you, and you're going right back down. You stink at this level. They've got the worst offense going in the league, only getting 0.8 goals per match, tied for the worst defense as well, and the worst goal differential by a factor of almost two. The most disappointing player that they have is their center back, Diego Garcia. He gets an okay number of clearances, but he statistically does absolutely nothing else well for this team whatsoever. Team's current form, a little bit more credit where it's due, three straight draws and uh, they're doing it on the defensive side. I think they're probably just parking the bus because the goal differential over those three, they've only scored one goal, but they haven't given up anybody uh, up any goals. Rather, they're trying a little small ball. And so, While we would normally end the show by wishing our final teams, along with all the rest of them, good luck and good fortune, that is not the case with the match of disappointed. Instead, we will shoot them away and boo them off the pitch in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was away. Hey, boo! Boo. And that's all she wrote for episode 132 of Soccer New Brock in America, featuring. Person Noob, we'd like to thank very much he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno whose creative efforts and inspirations as always remain on fire to my daughter, Person Noob. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you as a part of this. You're the real star of the show, lifting the heavyweight, as everybody knows. And finally, thank you to you for finding the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, it is pretty different. We know, but we think that's the fun part. We hope that you'll pass this on to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.